How many of you went to uh, sunrise service today? Was that awesome? Was that great? You know, we sang Glorious Day just like we did here. And I was just looking around. And I was, it really was Glorious Day. It was one of those, you know, there's, you don't, you don't know what you're going to get at sunrise. Sometimes I remember the first sunrise actually that I, I preached at. And I think the temperature up there was one. I, we were all bound up, you know, walking around because we were so full of clothes. And uh, everybody got close to the speaker because the fire was on and everybody was like up close. And it was kind of a lame sermon and I was new to this gig. And maybe 15 minutes was my sermon. And everybody was grateful that it was a short sermon. <laughs> and they grabbed a burrito and went home. <laughs> but today, the sun was shining. It was warm because of the fire restrictions up there. We didn't have to fire. We didn't need it. It was amazing. We had such a great time. And if you missed it, plan on it next year. But anyway, so this is our, this is our second service today. We had a service on Friday, which was amazing. And Palm Sunday was last, last week. So you got to see a number of different pastors up here speaking. John last week here on this podium. And Jeremy for um, Friday. Paul Kenderdine spoke today up at sunrise and I'm speaking today. So, Greg... <laughs> Dash is saying amen. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, so today I'm going to try to do something a little bit different for the resurrection story. Okay? So most of us read from one of the Gospels the story of Christ arising from the tomb and seeing his peeps and then going up to heaven. And today is the day where we remember that Christ rose. He is risen? He is risen. Absolutely. So, but I'd, I'd like very much to look at the weekend with which this happened. Okay? So, I'm going to read some selective passages from verses from Matthew chapter 27 and Matthew 28. And we're going to go by day. Okay? So let's look at Friday. And my focus today is going to be on the religious leaders of the day. That's my focus. If you were at that time in Israel during this time, the religious leaders were the ones that you looked up to. They were the ones that you wanted to emulate. These were the ones who got, had it all together. Okay? It's like looking at Jeremy. I always look at Jeremy all the time. I want to be like him. Man, he knows his word. He's really good at games. He's really great at trivia. 
And I, I, I want to be like him. And so when, we're, when people are around in Israel, they looked at the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the high priests, the Sanhedrin, all of the group that were supposedly having it all together, they were the ones people looked to to, do, to say what God said. And unfortunately, in all the Gospels, and look at we realize that the religious leaders, for the most part, with the exception of a few, completely missed it. They completely missed Jesus as Messiah. So let's look at Friday. And we'll start in Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 3. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. And you guys know the story. Judas was the one that betrayed Jesus. He's the one who sold him out for 30 pieces of silver and pointed him out to the religious leaders so that he could be arrested outside of the Garden of Gethsemane on Friday. Actually, Thursday night. Friday morning. And he was condemned early Friday morning. Judas realizing that he had made a mistake... Jeremy did a great job on this on Friday. I I think that Judas believed Jesus. I think he believed that he was Messiah. But he was going to do his part by forcing Jesus to be the Messiah that he wanted. To force him to become the king of Israel. And to kick the Romans out. And when he realized that he was wrong. In what he had done. He brought. The only thing he could do. He bring the silver back. Continuing on. Let's look at Matthew 27. Go jump to 62. Now this is Saturday. Okay. On the next day. Which followed the day of preparation. The chief priests and the Pharisees. Gathered together to Pilate. Saying sir. We remember while he was still alive. How that deceiver said, after three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day. Lest his disciples come by night and steal him away. And say to the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last deception would be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go your way. Make it as secure as you know. How? They went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. They listened to Jesus' words. They knew that he had told him, on the third day, I will rise. And so they asked Pilate to bring a Roman guard to surround the tomb and to make sure no one could get in the tomb and steal Jesus' body. That was their, their plan. And Pilate says, 
You have a garden. So these are not Roman guards. These are temple guards. These are the guards that were around the temple. They had their own precinct, as it were, of guards around. These were Jewishmen. Okay? And so they are guarding, and there's a seal on there based on the authority of the Roman Praetorian. And that would be the pilot. So they're in cahoots. And you can see it happen. The, the Jewish leaders, when Jesus was sentenced to die, they knew they couldn't kill. They didn't have the right to kill Jesus. But the Romans did because the Romans were in control. So they got the Romans to do their dirty work. That's why he's before Pilate. And Pilate did everything in his power to not make sure he, there's nothing. Because I find nothing wrong with this man. And so he throws out this known murderer, an insurrectionist, Barabbas, before Jesus. Assuming that they were going to say Barabbas to kill him. To have Barabbas crucified on this day. But the people... Swayed by their leaders, when he brought the name Jesus, they said, crucify him. The Jewish leaders drummed up the people and shouted louder than the rest. And so Pilate, fearing an insurrection, had Jesus crucified. Now let's jump to Matthew 28, 1 through 15. Again, we had Friday, we had Saturday. This is Sunday. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door. And sat on it. His countenance was like lightning. And his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him. And became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman. Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he is risen. And he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to the... To tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, 
and there they will see me. Now notice this turn in chapter in verse 11. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while he slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Did you catch that? The chief priests and the religious leaders of the day, remembering Jesus' words, said, put a guard around the tomb. They knew where he was buried. They put a Roman seal on the stone. But while the guards, while they were doing their job, an earthquake happens... An angel shows up, dressed all in white, and speaks to the two ladies, the only two of Jesus' disciples. It seems to me, who were aware that Jesus had said on the third day he was going to rise. But the guards are there. They see the angel. They are part of the earthquake. They hear the angel talking to the ladies. And so they go to the chief priests. They tell them what happened. They are eyewitnesses to the event. Yet the chief priests tell them to lie. Instead of going, what? He did rise from the dead? Just like he said he was going to? Oh my gosh, maybe he is the Messiah. Which should have been. Matthew points out and shows it to us. They said, no, no, no. Lie about it. Let me give you a large sum of money. Hush money, if you will. And to... He didn't raise from the dead. The the disciples stole his body. Tell them that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we should tell them. Now, if these had been Roman guards and not temple guards, they would never have done it. Because if they had said they had slept, that would have been committing suicide. To a Roman guard... If they had been derelict in their duty, they would have been killed. And if they had been Roman, they would have reported to Pilate. They would not have reported to the chief priest. And they even tell him, hey, if Pilate gives us any grief, we'll appease him. Probably with hush money. More. And then 
40 days later from that weekend, Jesus stands before his disciples in Matthew 28. And he says this. And Jesus came and spoke to them. This is verse 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. An amazing story. I'd like to just point out a few things to you today for you to think about. One, who realized that Jesus was Messiah? The Gospels record that it's his disciples. Peter of note says, you're the son of God. They recognize his messiahship. The religious leaders did not. Sounds one we know for sure, Nicodemus. But, but who remembered Christ's words? Remember on Saturday, who remembered God's words? Jesus' words. It was the leaders. They knew that he said he was going to raise the third, third day. Jesus plainly told his disciples on at least four different occasions, according to the Gospels, that he was going to be put to death and raise again on the third day. And when he was crucified, they ran and hid. That's all they did. There should have been more at the tomb. Like a catcher waiting for a pitch. Okay, it's coming, it's coming. But they didn't. It's just Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And who planned accordingly? It appears that it was the religious leaders who planned accordingly. They put a guard up there. What did the religious leaders do? This is the second thing. What did the religious leaders do? And what do we see that they produced? Okay, in the readings that we read today, their confrontation or their time with Judas. Judas is in remorse. He's got the 30 pieces of silver that he was given. And the Jewish leaders, when they come, what is that to us? They're cold. They're heartless. And I didn't read this, but the chief priest says, we can't accept this money. This is blood money. Let's go buy a field. Wait. Where did they get the original money in the first place? How did they pay Judas? They paid him out of the treasury. They paid the blood money, but they wouldn't take it back. How skewed up is that? Hey, let's pay our bills. Well, you know, we 
We've got to take care of this. We've got to take care of the Levites. We've got to do this. Oh, and here's some money. We've got we to pay Judas to sell out Jesus. Why didn't they think that was wrong? And if you think about the temple treasury, where do you think they got the money to pay the temple guards a large sum of money as hush money so that they would lie? But that was okay to take money from the treasury to tell someone to lie? I know last time I checked, but there were ten commandments. And one of them was bear false witness. That's the top ten. And they are paying temple guards to lie about what happened to Jesus. And somehow that was okay. Isn't it astounding to you? He told them to lie. They paid hush money. So what do we do with Jesus of the Bible? Do we believe he's actually still living? Do we? And if we do, does our life give evidence that we believe that Jesus is alive. I don't know where you stand, but I know my Redeemer lives. I know that my Savior, Jesus, the Son of God, who came down to this earth, was crucified, rose from the dead, and He's still living and that he will live forever and that makes a difference in your life or it should make a difference in your life listen to what Paul said up on the hill living a redeemed life resurrected life it needs to be based on that listen The religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, the high priests, they knew the scriptures. They knew them here. They didn't know it here. When you only know it here, you can get yourself in wacky positions and you can find yourself lying To cover your tracks. Or, I don't know, murder? They murdered Jesus. A man who even the Roman leader in this area found him innocent. Yet they still had him killed. Because they were more worried about their power, their prestige, their place of honor within the Jewish society higher than Jesus actually being 
the Messiah. They had all the scriptures before them. And one of the beauties as you read the book of Matthew, Matthew is Jew and he points out all the places where Jesus matched what God had said hundreds and hundreds of years previously what was going to happen. And he matched all of them. You know the 30 pieces of silver even? Jeremiah, Zechariah pegged it. All of these things pointed to Jesus and they completely missed it because they forgot why God's word is revealed to us. We can't just have it here in book knowledge. We've got to have it here in heart knowledge. Listen, I grew up in this church. I heard many messages, but it didn't take hold until I took Jesus into my heart and said, okay, you're it. You're Savior. You're Lord. Now, we don't use Lord very often outside of church. But Lord is leader. Lord is the big kahuna. When the big kahuna tells you to do something, you do it. And that's why we we look at the scriptures, because the scriptures are what point us to how we should live, how we should give God glory, how we should do whatever. Listen, the people in Israel look to religious leaders to be the big kahuna. Not God, not Jesus. And they, their thinking went awry. Listen, I admire Jeremy. I think he's a great pastor. But he's not my Lord and Savior. He can be wrong. God's never wrong. How do I know Jeremy can be wrong? He's a Braves fan. Listen, this is one of the reasons why you throw a rock at height, you might hit a pastor, because there's so many of us. We've got Jose Luis, we've got John, we've got Jeremy, got myself. Any of the elders could easily step in and be a pastor. They're great teachers. Pastor Don is here. Good to see you, buddy. We got pastors everywhere. The, the thing is, you don't follow a pastor. You follow Jesus. Let me say that again. You don't follow a pastor. You follow Jesus. All right. That's better. When you ignore God's truth, you're able to do a lot of things that you know are wrong. And you can get askewed. And then Jesus, after the 40 days, he says something extraordinary. Before he tells us to go and make disciples. He says, all authority has been given to me. In this area, all means all. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, he earned the right to have authority over everything. 
And if he's the Lord of your life, he has authority over all of your life as well. All of it. Not just the hour and a half you spend at church. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He's got to be the Lord of all of your life or he's the Lord of none of your life. I'd like to read a passage of scripture to you written by the last man that Jesus revealed himself to. His name was Saul of Tarsus, but he became Paul the Apostle. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, and this becomes a mantra for the church. Starting in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day. According to the scriptures. That he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. And after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remain to the present. But some... Have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James. And then by all the apostles. Then last of all he was seen by me. Also. As by one born. Out of due time. Why is that important? Remember a few weeks ago. I talked about. The principle. Said in the Torah. That by a witness of two or three, a matter is established. Established as fact. This is how much Jesus wants you to know that he died, was buried, and rose from the dead. Two or three witnesses. We have four gospels. Each by an eyewitness of what happened. And then Paul says, there's about 500 that saw Jesus risen from the dead. Most are still alive. You know what he's saying? Go ask them. He is establishing the fact. And though even though the leaders of the day tried to start a rumor that his disciples had stolen him from the tomb. It didn't last. Because it was a false 
testimony. And so we had people all over saying, He's alive! He's alive! Isn't that awesome? Guys, I know Jesus lives. I want Jesus, you, to know Jesus is alive. And that he died for you. And that all those sins that you have committed in your life, every single one of them has been bought and paid for. That rebellion against God, which you deserve death, has been paid for by his death. And because he wasn't just a man, he was God, he rose from the dead. So the debt has been paid, and we have a living Savior. Amen? Let me tell you, if you don't have this, you've heard it here. I want it here. It's time for you. You can meet with me. You can meet with the other pastors. Meet with anybody. Any Christian who calls himself a Christian can tell you and say, This is what you need to be saved. Don't put it off any longer. I tell you, you will never regret a decision following for Jesus. Never. I don't think I've ever heard anybody in my life say, You know, I, was, I took Jesus into my heart and I lived for him. Boy, I'm really sad I did that. Never. They're always like, man, this is life-changing. He's changed my life. I'm now focused on the things that are eternal rather than the things that are temporary. I love people when I used to hate them. It changes. It changes all of your life. I want that for you. Won't you stand? Oh, look, 35 minutes, we did a good job. (laughs) Guys, I'm so glad you're here. Make the rest of this day a celebration of what Christ did as he walked out that tomb, proving the scriptures true over and over again. Get those scriptures here and push them into your heart. Make it real in your life. Father God, we come before you. I just thank you and praise you for who you are. What you have done, nobody else could do. You loved us so much. You wanted us to be part of your family. You loved us so much that you were willing to die. Be put to death by your creation. Yet because of your perfection, because of your holding on to the scriptures, you rose again. You saved us. Help us to live that resurrected life. Help us to live that redeemed life. Daily, every day, Sunday through Saturday. And may you be given the glory for our lives.
In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.